Well, we've been going through the book of James uh, over the past uh, month uh, or so, and now we are getting into chapter 3 of the book of James. And the overall uh, context of chapter 3 is that he is trying to push people into spiritual maturity. Uh, so uh, he splits this up into two parts, and the first part he talks about is the tongue. And so the mark of a mature Christian is being able to control the tongue. Um, and then afterwards, he talks about discerning uh, godly wisdom versus uh, worldly wisdom. So today we're going to be talking about the tongue. That's what we're getting into today. That's something that probably all of us at one point in our life at least have had a problem with. Uh, uh, all of us men in here uh, as teenagers probably have all had a problem with the tongue. <laughs> uh, I can't speak for the women because I was never one. So, <laughs> all right. Um, if you, we, let's go ahead and get into James chapter 3 this morning then. And we're going to just start off reading uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for this church, this, this body of believers here. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to guide us and help us to grow more spiritually mature um, and help us to be a light for you, Lord. I pray now is that as we get into your word, that you would keep all of our hearts and our minds open to what you have to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, I, I've repeated this a couple of times, but uh, when James says, my brethren, he's getting ready to say something that's not pleasant. So he, he's saying, my brethren, I love you, but here's some problems I got to address now. Um, so, one of the, so the first thing that James says here is, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers. Um, so as I was reading the commentaries on this, uh, there's the likely problem that James was addressing here is that people were very quickly, after being saved, getting into teaching positions. Uh, so they, they were, before they were spiritually mature, they were jumping already into teaching. And James is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, and then he says the reason why here, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And so teachers receive a stricter judgment. Uh, the greater the responsibility, the greater the judgment. So uh, anybody who is, who is standing up teaching people needs to know that they're going to be responsible for what they teach. Uh, God is going to hold them responsible. And so he's saying, don't jump into it before you're spiritually ready. That's, that's what he's getting at here. And then he says, for we all stumble in many things. We all stumble in many things. So he includes himself in that as a teacher. He says, I, I stumble too. We all stumble in many things. Then he moves on to what the, what the topic is of this portion of scripture here. He says, 
if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So James is now talking about the words. So if you don't stumble in words, then you're a perfect man. And what he's saying here is that a mature Christian, so the word perfect there means mature. Um, and so what he's saying is if you don't stumble in your words, you are spiritually mature. So he is trying to push people into that direction of controlling their tongue. So he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So that's a recurring theme in this passage, bridling the whole. So the tongue, if you control it, you control everything else. And so that, that's the main thing. So your tongue leads you around. Uh, so that's what he's getting into here. And so he proves this point again. Remember, James is laying out a series of debates here. He's arguing his points against an imaginary opponent. And so he starts coming up with some examples of how the tongue uh, controls the body. The first thing uh, he says, so a little thing controls a lot. And the first thing he says is a bit in a horse's mouth. So that's the first example that he uses. He said in James 3, 3, he says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So how do you control a horse? Uh, it's very hard to control a wild horse without some sort of thing in its mouth. Uh, so a rider needs to control a horse with a bit. And so they use that little tiny bit to control that great big horse. And so that's how they control the horse to where they want it to go. And then... So remember, a horse is a living thing. It has its own power to control that horse. So they're controlling that animal there. Then the next imagery he uses here is a rudder on a ship. James 3, 4 says, Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned, about, turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. So a ship is an inanimate object, but it has other forces acting upon it. And so first he talks about the horse that has its own power, right? And it is controlled by a very small bit. And then he talks about the ship who uh, gets turned about whichever way the wind's blowing, but uses a very small rudder to control it. So uh, a great big ship, little rudder, tells it where to go. But both of those instances, there's a rider on a horse that controls it, and there is a captain of a ship that controls it. So we need to remember that as we're moving forward. So what he is getting at here is that the tongue is the rudder or the bit for the body. And so if you keep the tongue under control, you keep everything else under control. He says, even in James 3, 5a, we're just going to read that first half there. He says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. And so the tongue is a little thing, but it controls a lot. Uh, it controls everything about you. We, we don't think about it, but we lead with our mouths. 
We, we as human beings, that's our biggest thing is we, we talk before we do. And so many times what someone is going to be going to be doing can be shown by first the way that they speak. And so you speak a certain way, you're, you're likely going to act in a similar manner. So we need to control our tongues. That's the key thing here. Next, a little spark sets a big fire. It says in G James 3, I'm going to go ahead and read 5 through 6 now. It says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the, the, the course of nature and is set afire by hell. So James does not like the tongue. I don't know if you got that. James doesn't like talking uh, throughout the, these previous passages. Again, he's a man of action. So he doesn't like the tongue. And I, I've heard this message uh, titled at one point, The Wise and Unwise Use of the Tongue. And when, when uh, my pastor was preaching that message, uh, he never went over the wise use of the tongue, really. Because the wise use of the tongue is to not use it. <laughs> so we, we should be speaking with our actions. Uh, we should control our tongues because the tongue is most often used by hell. So... He starts off with this, a small spark can set a whole forest on fire. He says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now, we all understand that uh, here in California. Remember last year? Remember all those big, huge fires? It's kind of hard to think that such huge fires were started by very little ones. And so uh, even a small spark can set a whole forest ablaze. Uh, what amazing imagery. I'm not saying beautiful there because it's good imagery there. It sticks in our brains, but that's terrible. It just shows you how terrible the tongue can be. The tongue is actually the greatest destructive force in the world. And you may be thinking here, well, no, that, you know, what about nuclear bombs and stuff like that? You know, how can the tongue be more powerful than that? Well, listen to this quote. It says, words build bridges into unexplored regions. That's a nice quote, right? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty inspirational. You want to know who said that? Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler used his words to condemn over 11 million people to death. 11 million people. That's about 6 million Jews and 5 million uh, other people that were undesirable to his regime. So that's gays, blacks, Jehovah's Witnesses, other minorities. As, as, many, as much as we don't like some of these other denominations or uh, we don't like their ideas, we wouldn't want that to happen to them. But this man used his words to convince a group of people 
to slaughter another group of people. That's 11 million people killed by the Nazis because of one man's words. So as a comparison here, I, I brought up nuclear bombs. So the two instances where we used nuclear bombs, the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, killed around 200,000 people. That means that 55 times more people died because of Hitler's tongue than the most powerful weapon known to mankind. So words are very de devastating. If Hitler could do that with his words, if a tongue can do all that damage, then surely the tongue can destroy friendships, it can destroy families, and it can destroy churches. You see, when that, that's the problem that James is addressing here, is people were becoming not unified because of people's tongues. People jumping into teaching positions before they were ready to, uh, speaking falsehoods. People were doing a lot of bad things just with their mouth. It's one of the biggest problems in churches is people's mouths. You don't see people getting in fistfights all the time. You don't see stuff like that. You don't see people stealing from each other in churches all the time. But you do see a lot of backbiting. You see gossip. You see all kinds of stuff that has to do with our mouths. Our tongues are a destructive force. He, he, a fi James compares it to a fire, a destructive force. Our tongues are used by hell. James moves on. And he talks about the tongue is an untamable beast. An untamable beast. Well, wait, I thought this whole passage was about controlling the tongue. And now James is going to talk about it being untamable. Well, how does that go together? Well, we'll see in just a moment. James 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is, a, it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Again, James doesn't like the tongue. James doesn't like talking. So, you know, that's kind of evidenced by uh, how short his book actually is. It's only five chapters. So, but, he, but he says a lot in just those five chapters. But he says, Every beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed... So uh, in the Greek, that's called perfect tense and has been tamed by mankind. Again, perfect tense. What perfect tense means in the Greek is that it is a, something that was completed in the past, but its effects are still being felt in the future. And so what he's getting, out, getting at is that he says, but no man can tame the tongue. So whereas all of the animals, you can domesticate them, you can tame them, you do it once and they stay tamed, you can't do that with the tongue. 
You cannot tame the tongue. It takes constant effort to keep control of your tongue. You see, you don't ever just go, okay, I controlled it at one point and now it's good now for the rest of my life. No, that doesn't work like that. We always have to control our tongue. And also, furthermore, uh, our tongues are, cannot be tamed by man. So we can't by ourselves control our tongues. That does not mean that we should not try. But we can't do it by ourselves. We need to lean on God. Um, this makes me think of a passage that I preached on a, a while ago. Um, and it's when God is telling uh, Joshua to uh, stay in the word. It says, let, let it not leave your mouth. So you don't want anything but God's word to be on your lips. And so if you do that, you don't have to worry so much about what you're saying. If the only thing that's coming out of your mouth is God's word, then that's a good thing. And so the things that we should say should not be contrary to God's word. He says, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So that word unruly there, that means unstable. So... You could be saying good things at one moment, and you could be saying bad things at another moment. Uh, whatever mood you're in, that's, that's the way your tongue's going to go. And he says, full of deadly poison, as in completely full. So your tongue has nothing good in it. And the root of that is because we are sinners. See, our natural state is to be bad. So our tongues are a reflection of that. We need to allow ourselves to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so earlier I spoke about, you know, the bits in horses' mouths and the rudders. And I said that every horse has a rider and every ship has a captain. So in order to control our tongues... Our captain or our rider needs to be Jesus. That's what needs to be controlling our tongue because he's the only one that can. And then this last section here. He talks about having a double-minded tongue. A double-minded tongue. James ends this part of this passage with another rebuke. And honestly, this is something that I've done in the past. I'm sure a lot of us have. You know, you're, you're sitting in church, you're praising God, and then, you know, an hour later, you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off and you're cursing man. <laughs> How many of us are guilty of that? James 3, 9 through 12 says, With it we bless God our Father, and, we curse men, uh, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. So made like God, made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Then he says, My brethren, remember, 
My brethren means, hey, I love you, but this, what you're doing is not good. It says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So we should not be doing this. It's unnatural. You cannot bless God and curse man with the same mouth. It's not natural. Really, what it ends up doing is it ends up tainting your blessings to God. You see, uh, he goes on and he comes up with a couple of examples for this. He says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water or and bitter from the same opening so a spring being where a river originates it can't have salt water and fresh water coming out of the same opening that it can't happen he says can a fig tree my brethren bear olives or grapevine bear figs this is kind of funny there. He, he said, can a fig tree bear olives? No, that's not natural. Can a grapevine bear figs? They're two different fruits. You can't have it. It doesn't work. He says, thus a spring yields, uh, sorry, thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And I, I find it interesting that he uses uh, the idea of salt water and fresh water. What happens if you add some salt water to fresh water? It becomes salt water, right? What happens if you add some fresh water to salt water? Still salt water, right? So the blessings to God in cursing man, if you are cursing man with the same mouth that you are blessing God, you are cursing God. That's what he's getting at in this last part of this passage. It's unnatural to have both of those things coming out of the same opening. We have to understand that every single person on this earth was created in the image of God and needs Jesus as their Savior. That's the way we should be looking at people. When we see people outside of these doors... No matter how bad we think they are, they need Jesus. And they were created in the image of God, and God loves them. God wants them to be saved. No matter how bad they are, no matter how much we dislike them, we still need to be saying good things toward them that will lead them towards salvation. So as a recap, for this passage as the pianist and song leader come. James doesn't like the tongue. I think that's pretty obvious, right? Our wise use of the tongue is to not use it. And if we do, it should be God's word coming out of our mouths. So speak just a little bit, but let it be God's word. Let it be things that support Jesus Christ. Remember, our tongues are the first thing that people understand about us. 
Our words are the first thing that people understand about us. And that leads our body. So uh, that, our tongues lead our actions. We need to control our tongues. We need to lean on God to do that. Remember, a bit in a horse's mouth controls the whole body. A rudder on a ship controls that great big ship. Whether yet Our tongue is a living thing. And also, we, we should not be letting it be pushed around by uh, our environments. Thinking about that just for a moment, lingering on that. How many of us speak differently based off of what environment we're in? I've had that in the past. I, I used to work in construction. <laughs> I had a very different mouth in church than I had while I was working on the construction site. Well, remember, we should have the same mouth that we have from church and be having that on the construction site, right? Uh, at, in our workplace. So we need to not let our tongues be pushed around by our environment. We need, it needs to be controlled. Remember the amount of damage that our words can do. A little spark sets a big fire. Many, many people were killed because of the tongue, many more than any weapon that we have. Remember that it's an untamable beast, so it only can be controlled by God. We've subdued everything else, but we can't control our tongue. We need to constantly be trying to lean on God for God to control our tongues. And we need to make sure that we are not blessing God and cursing people at the same time. Because it's the same thing as cursing God. If you have anything like that this morning, pray to God that he will control your tongue. We should all pray that probably daily. I mean... I have some problems with stuff that I say very often. You know, we, we talk without thinking. So we need to be constantly praying for forgiveness for that and praying for God to control it. Because we don't want people to see us as not reflections of God, right? We need to be, we, people need to hear praises to God coming out of our mouths God's word coming out of our mouths and just good things that support who we are as children of God. We need to be reflections of that in our words. So if we have anything like that this morning, pray to God about that. Give it up to him. Amen.